I can't tell you how excited and how warmed my heart is to see you guys here. And I hope you appreciate the significance of this many guys packed into this room on a Saturday before Christmas. This is a testimony to God. A um, couple housekeeping things first. I have had a very good experience working with the staff here at the conference center. And uh, I asked them to make available for us on the railing over there are some information leaflets about staying here, having business meetings here, pretty color brochure about the place and it's multifaceted, smaller one, and a contact card for the person, uh, Jessica Lavenberg, who's the director of sales. All of those are up on the railing and I encourage you to take those, share those. We can use this center. This, this facility in Southbridge is a hidden amenity. It's just an unbelievable place. If you walked around and saw the athletic area, the pool area, conference hall, the auditorium, just an unbelievable area. So uh, avail yourself, get those pieces of paper. I want to recognize a couple people who have really warmed my heart by showing up. I have my partner in mischief, Pastor Esteban Carrasco, up in the nosebleed section. And we have had prayer marches and gospel music fests and pastor breakfasts and he is spearheading a quarter mile from here what will be called the Bridge of Faith Youth Center. Multi-million dollar construction to take care and address the needs of the youth in our community from a Christian perspective. And you'll be hearing more information about that as we raise funds and build. But Pastor Esty, thank you for coming. I look over here and I see Kwasi Achimpong. He is the founder of Our Bright Future. Our Bright Future. I sound like a New Englander there. Our Bright Future. That ministers, teachers, mentors, young people and gets their attention through robotics and athletics. And he is built into the lives of these young people wonderful character qualities. And go meet Quasi and find out about his testimony. Unbelievable. And then I have a dear new friend, Ellis Cropper, retired major from the Army, 30 years. He is a life insurance salesman and financial planner, a good Christian brother, friend of mine. And he's been building his life into lives for years. And he has with him Jorge and AJ, who are exchange students, who are living with him. And he's building into their lives. And ask him about his testimony. Unbelievable stories. And then finally, I know that uh, life has been going fast for me the last couple months, but... It was either October or November was Pastor Appreciation Month. October? November? October. October. Well, I, I want to recognize Pastor Gary because he apparently heard the Spirit call. And he is the initiator of this gathering. And we were initially talking about getting 20 guys and then maybe 30 guys. And apparently the spirit was really making him scratch the itch because he went out and did it. And look at, we got about 70. And, and I want to, so Gary, thank you for that. You, you are, 
You're the one that got us all together here. And I want you guys to pause and just look around. And I know in part it's owing to the fact that you suspected they'd be offering a lot of bacon and that's why you came here. <laughs> but why are you sitting in these chairs? Why are we here today? On a Saturday? Half of the day given up. Weekend before Christmas. Why are we here? I believe God has moved in each of our lives recognizing that our culture is in decline. Yes. And we need to get out and about and we as men need to stand up and lead as we follow God. And so you're sitting here because God is moving in our midst. And I'm going to float something to you guys and I don't know how it's going to land on you but it's this. The Great Southbridge Revival of 2022. The Great Southbridge Revival of 2022. I'm looking at Stan Allaby, who has been preaching revival in New England for 10 years. And pastors, if you want a sermon on revival by a preeminent preacher, Stan is your man. And he's preached that sermon numerous times all around New England and started prayer groups. And I know there's been a prayer group praying in Southbridge for over eight years at seven o'clock every Wednesday morning for revival. And I'm looking at this group thinking it's of God. And we men need to step up and be of God because this culture needs to hear the good news gospel that we can bring. So embrace what you're seeing right now and don't forget the vision you have looking around at guys in this room. There's seven guys who probably wouldn't otherwise be here if it weren't for God. So it's, it's, it's toes up to the starting line, guys. When you walk out that door, you're salt and light and we have the greatest opportunity to present the greatest message in the world to a very needy culture. And I hope we leave the room with that spirit. And so the question to you is, that you're asking yourself is, what can I do? I'm just one person. I've got the answer. You can't do anything. That's right. It's God's going to do it through you. And so, yes, I'm finally getting to my topic, and it's Dawson Trotman. How many know Dawson Trotman? I've heard of Dawson Trotman. How many have heard of the Navigators? Okay. Dawson Trotman is a one person. Dawson Trotman is a one person who reached out and changed the world. He's reached into the lives of millions of people. The Navigator's ministry now is in over 100 countries with missionaries all over the world. Thank you. With missionaries all over the world. He was born in 1906 and he died in 1956. Relatively young age. He drowned at Scroon Lake at the Word of Life uh, facility, the navigators were having their annual conference. And he was in a boat with a young lady and some others and they hit some waves and he and the young lady fell out of the boat and he dove in and held her up. And the boat circled around and was able to fetch the lady out of the water but when they reached for him, he slid under the water and drowned. And Billy Graham preaching at his uh, sermon, the obituary was he was a, that, that Dawson was a man who always held people up. So he died in 1956, but in his 50 years of living, 
he changed ministry around the world. He was born in Bisbee, Arizona. His parents divorced after they moved to Southern California. He was a leader even at the high school years. He was class president. He was valedictorian. He was president of the Christian Endeavor Society in his church. But he was leading a double life at the time. And this is now in the roaring 20s. And gambling and alcohol and other mischief overcame him. He was bootlegging alcohol from San Francisco down to Los Angeles. He slipped over the guardrails and crashed in his life. He was arrested for drunkenness. And his mother, who was a Christian, asked Christian friends, pray for Dawes, which was his nickname. Pray for Dawes. And friends prayed, and two days later, he felt compelled to go back to the Christian Endeavor group at his church. And at the Christian Endeavor group, they emphasized scripture memory. And they had a week contest, memorize ten verses, come back next meeting and quote your verses. And he tells that his ulterior motive was to impress the pretty young ladies, so he memorized the verses and came back and being sharp, word perfect, he quoted them. Had another contest for the next week, and he went and memorized ten more verses, and he came back and quoted them. And so they were part of his inner being. My wife talks about memorizing scripture, and she actually has a, a history of relationship with the uh, navigators. And she says you put the verses in, and then it's like finished toast out of the toaster. It pops up. The spirit will just use that verse, and it will pop up. And that's what happened to Dawes when he was walking to work. Uh, John 5.24 popped up. Verily, verily, I stand to you. He who hears my word and believes him who sent me hath eternal life. And he was thinking, that's not bad. I wish I could get eternal life. And popped up John 1.12. As many as received him gave he the power to become sons of God, even those who believe on his name. And he prayed, Lord, I want to believe, I want to have eternal life. And really, that was his conversion experience. And he hit the ground running. With all the verses that were stored up, he began witnessing. And as he was witnessing, he was seeing people turn to Christ. And as he was getting excited about that, he kept memorizing more verses. And then he had more people around him that he had led to Christ. And he soon was in a ministry that happened around him that was relational. And people would meet with him and they would open up the Bible and they would talk about the verses they memorized. And so on it went to the point where he married his wife, Lila. They, they had five kids. Um, but they had an open house in the 1930s in, in Los Angeles where people would come and he would disciple them. And it's interesting that the ministry that he started, the Navigators, their, their motto was to know Christ, make him known, and teach others the same. And so they reflected in their training with 2 Timothy 2.2, where Paul wrote to Timothy and said, The things you've heard of me among many witnesses, commit thou to faithful men who will teach others also. And so you have the dynamic of Paul writing to Timothy, telling him to find faithful men to teach others also. But the, the deal didn't stop there. It was teach others in the way that they could teach others to teach others to teach others. And so this um, ministry that, that God gave to Dawson Trotman involved one-on-one -on -one discipleship. 
and the disciple would teach the next who could teach the next who could teach the next he was involved um, in this ministry in, 19, in the early 1930s and one of the people who came to his home was a sailor off of the USS West Virginia Les Spencer and Les came to his home and did many who, who were there come to his home and stay with him in Lila and he discipled Les and Les went back to his ship and tried to disciple more but came back to Dawes and said I'm having trouble discipling I want to reach the, the whole ship and Dawes told him you can't get to the second one until you do the first and really now the vision for the navigators is taking shape because at the time they uh, were having groups which they called the Minutemen but now it became clear that they need to reach out to the Navy and they looked at each ship as a seminary and they looked at each person they would send as the producer and so Les Spencer was a producer and Dawes sent him back to the USS West Virginia and said get one and so he brought back Gurney Harris and they sat down at the kitchen table at Dawes's house three Bibles opened and, and, and Les said to Dawes so teach him what you taught me and the ministry may not have jumped as quickly as it did if Dawes chose one way but he chose another and when he was asked to teach Gurney like he taught Les he looked at Les and said no you teach him and so he mentored Les in the teaching of the information so that Gurney could go back and mentor someone in the teaching of the information. It's a different step. It's just not, it's not conversion and it's just not sharing the information, but it's teaching to teach, to teach, to teach, to teach. And so they use this method and they call their ministry in 1933 the Navigators. And they taught predominantly sailors to go back onto their ships. It's almost like COVID germs to go into groups and be a major spreader and to go on to ships and at one point they had representation on 800 ships bases and posts in in the second world war they had representation on most of the ships on the USS, uh, USS West Virginia they had 125 people involved in navigator ministry producing to produce to produce to produce and on December 7th 1941 what happened to those guys? They lived. Because Christian guys were on the mainland having Bible study at 7 in the morning when they heard the Japanese planes come over and start dropping bombs. They weren't on the USS West Virginia. So those people who lived through December 7th became producers to go into other ships all around. And so they were doing follow-up instead of evangelism, which they did they were doing follow-up and disciple-making as they went. And they did it so well that they actually created, in a sense, a dictionary word. A disciple is a person. A noun is a person, place, or thing. A disciple is a noun. But they made the word disciple be a verb. To disciple someone. Stan discipled Paul yesterday. Okay? It's not, it doesn't work with every word. You could be a swimmer, but John isn't going to swim Fred. 
could be a chef, but Sam isn't going to chef Mary. But disciple became a verb, and it was owing to the to the Dawson Trotman navigators, and so they became valuable after 1945 when the war ended. Many many of the sailors who were navigators went to college on the GI Bill of Rights, so the navigators followed these people to the college campuses and they started a college ministry. Again, one teaching one to teach one to teach one. And by that time now, they are well known. In 1950, Billy Graham asked Dawson Trotman to formulate a follow-up program for his converts at the, at the seminars. Wycliffe Bible Translators, Operation Rescue, Fellowship of, uh, Mission Aviation Fellowship, Campus Crusade for Christ, Evangelism Explosion, the navigators were called in to help with the follow-up. And that was the ministry that he had. It was built on Bible memory and trusting the power of God's Word. Alright? So, guys, we're going to walk out that door. There's a world that needs the Gospel. There's millions of people that we could touch the question is can I do it well God can do it through me if I memorize God's word if I'm available to share God's word if I'm willing to find one you've got to teach your first one before you can teach your second one when you teach what you know you reproduce who you are and that's the power of the navigator ministry it's something that we all can do now, God will give us extra blessings when we study history, when we see his hand at work. Just like I see you folks here, you are to me the representation that I serve a great living God. This ain't a game. This is the real deal. That's right. You guys wouldn't be here unless we serve a living God. And so many times when we study history, we see the hand of God working and how we can affect others. So let me give you a separate but parallel track. In 1921, in Coweta, Oklahoma, a boy was born. His mother prayed for him. I don't have a prize for you. You'll just get bragging rights. But when you, when you determine who this man is, raise your hand and shout it out. So this man was not saved. His mother prayed for him. He graduated. And then he felt he needed to go west to find fame and fortune. So he got in his car and he drove west. And when he got to Los Angeles, of all things, he picked up a hitchhiker. And the hitchhiker was staying at the home of Dawson Trotman. And so he went to the home of Dawson Trotman, and he was shown Christian hospitality, and he was welcomed in by Dawson and Lila. He wasn't a Christian, but he saw discipleship happening, he saw Christian love, he saw, saw fellowship, hospitality. And then he went into the city and he started California Confections, which was a candy and pastry and gourmet food business that was sold to special places. And he and his wife, Vonette, stayed, some guy's head shaking, and his wife, yeah? Bill Bright. Bill Bright of Campus Crusade for Christ. He and his wife, Vonette, started... Um, going to the Hollywood Presbyterian Church, Dr. Henrietta Mears, and they both came to Christ. He left his business, went to Fuller Seminary, 
left that when he felt a calling to reach out to colleges. He sold all he had. He went up to UCLA and rented a house. And in the first year, had 250 people, including the, the class president, the student council president, and several of the um, popular uh, athletes in activities with Campus Crusade for Christ, which was uh, officially uh, incorporated in 1955. And you're aware of Campus Crusade for Christ and all that they did. In 1979, the Jesus film was shown to over 4 billion people, translated in 650 languages, receiving, by estimate, 121 million decisions for Christ. Bill Bright, one man. Me, you, one man. Dawson Trotman, one man. The man can't do it, but the God working through the man can. And so, I suggest to you, what can we do? We can memorize scripture. We can be hospitable and show the love of Christ. We can reach one. We don't have to reach a lot. And disciple with one. And I hope when you leave this room and walk out into the mission field that you believe that you can do it. I mean, Dawson, Trotman, Bill Bright, they're kind of like icons, big dudes. But they're one person. And God can work with us. And so that's the message I want to leave with you guys. You, you introduce yourself, brother. Sounds good. I'll flatter you too much. <laughs> <laughs>